Vox Quick Hits. I'm Alana Okin, deputy editor at The Goods by Vox, and this is The Best Money I Ever Spent. It's a series where we ask people to tell us about the purchases they've made, both big and small, that have affected their lives. This week, we have a story by writer Mae Rice about the amount of money she's spent at Starbucks over the years, which totals $20,000. Here's May. Right now, I'm in Starbucks drinking what I always get, a venti iced coffee with hazelnut, soy, and caramel drizzle. It's a case study in brown, a drink that both Elle Woods and Dr. Evil would order. But it tastes great and costs less than $5 in the Twin Cities, unless you're at the airport. I get it every day, except when the temperature's below zero or if I've earned a free drink on the Starbucks Rewards app. When that happens, I get the latte version of my drink, a triple venti hazelnut soy latte with whipped cream. If I paid for it, that latte would cost about $7, as much as my normal iced coffee and a toasted sprouted grain bagel with cream cheese. I would never spend that amount on coffee alone, but I've been spending some money on coffee every day of my adult life. Even when I worked at Starbucks as a barista, I came right back to the store after my shifts to drink more coffee. In the 12 years since I turned 18 and left home for college, I've spent about $20,000 at Starbucks. Online calculators will give you a more precise dollar amount if you want it, but personal finance guru Susie Orman recently compared coffee habits like mine to peeing $1 million down the drain. I wouldn't buy a cup of coffee anywhere ever, and I can afford it because I would not insult myself by wasting money that way. My $20,000 expenditure seems especially extreme right now because I'm in the final year of my MFA program. My annual stipend is about $18,000 before tax, $1,600 of which I pay back to the school in fees. It's not like I live paycheck to paycheck. I have a side job and savings. Still, there's a certain dysfunctional ring to it. I've spent more than a year's worth of my stipend for grad school on my Starbucks habit. American culture is obsessed with habits. The clearest modern manifestation of this is the enduring popularity of The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, which came out in 1989 and remains a bestseller on Amazon's nonfiction list. Ingrained in our conversations about executives who rise early and great writers who take daily walks is an assumption that we're all creatures of habit, that our habits define who we are and what we achieve. Success is born out of healthy habits. In the novel Severance by Ling Ma, the force of habit crashes into the force of apocalypse, and the protagonist's mother articulates a core American belief when she says, what you do every day matters. Going to Starbucks every day arguably holds me back, making me yet another millennial who can't afford real estate or diamonds or J. Crew boat shoes, let alone a boat. But coffee is undeniably more of a scapegoat than a villain here, especially when it comes to real estate. Housing prices are growing twice as fast as wages, but my demographic still gets stereotyped as financially irresponsible. We go into credit card debt to go to Fire Festival. We defraud people to put on Fire Festival. 
we ghost our jobs. We do something else related to Fire Festival. We don't think about our futures. Recently, I took a quiz based on the Zimbardo Time Perspective Inventory, created by the Stanford psychologist Philip Zimbardo. Time is the currency of our lives, according to Zimbardo, and our relationship with it really affects our life choices, especially how we approach risk. He argues the healthiest time orientation balances focusing on the future with a hedonistic approach to the present. I'm not like this. I'm intensely future-oriented. The results page of the Time Perspective quiz has a chart with ideal scores, according to Zimbardo, and the average scores. And my future orientation score is a 4.77 out of 5. That's off the chart, literally. I'm pathologically responsible, to the point where, according to Zimbardo, I thrive on control and predictability and struggle to take pleasure in present, transient, consumable activities and experiences. And he's right. The world, especially the modern world, was not built for me. The future depends on the whims of politicians, the pace of climate change, the rhythm of recessions, things I can't control or predict. Meanwhile, I'm surrounded by transient, consumable experiences. Restaurants, bars, concerts, comedy shows. Cities are basically giant malls. As Ma puts it in severance, New York lulled you into thinking that there were so many options, but most of the options had to do with buying things. Starbucks is my loophole, pleasurable in the present and in the future. Right now, I'm back in Starbucks drinking sticky brown sludge. In the future, I can nurse this drink for up to two hours. And tomorrow, I can get the exact same drink. And the next day. And the next. Starbucks is everywhere. At this point, it feels like part of a city's infrastructure. When two black men, Dante Robinson and Rashawn Nelson, were arrested in a Philadelphia Starbucks, people were outraged by the overt racism. What did they get called for? Because there are two black guys sitting here meeting me? Yes, I Well, what did they do? What did they do? Dante and Rashawn spent a night in jail because they sat down before ordering their coffees. A quote-unquote crime white customers like me commit all the time without any issue. But also, I think, people were outraged over the fact it happened at Starbucks. Fitting in at Starbucks is a type of privilege, easier for the white and rich and cisgender. But it's a less obvious privilege than, say, browsing artisanal doorknobs at Anthropology. Starbucks brands itself as a home away from home. It's the place always nearby where you can always spend under $10 and sit down. The key word there is always. Starbucks isn't about good coffee so much as it's about predictability. Experiences you've already had, drinks you've already drunk. It promises to sustain your routines. When Starbucks broke that promise to Dante Robinson and Rashawn Nelson, the company paid. When Starbucks keeps the promise, regulars like me pay them billions. My friend used to joke that if I were the subject of a biopic, it would just be a montage of me ordering the same thing over and over at different Starbucks. And he was right. My Starbucks habit feels like the spinal cord running through my life, holding it together as I move from place to place, from school to job, to job, to graduate school. When I started my MFA program, I took more than a 50% pay cut. It was worth it. Suddenly, I was surrounded by other writers and had time to read and write whatever I wanted. 
Financially, though, it hit me right in the routines. At first, it took mental effort to do responsible, sustainable things every day instead of what I was used to. I could do it to the extent that I did because I still went to Starbucks. My little dose of luxury meant I was okay. I was just being more careful with money while sipping a custom drink at a table made of salvaged wood below a painting of coffee beans in a yonic formation. There was no need to splurge at Sephora or Madewell or a bar where I have to look up the cocktail ingredients on Wikipedia. I didn't feel deprived. Now, I don't exactly recommend Starbucks unreservedly. The coffee isn't excellent. Sometimes it tastes inexplicably floral. It doesn't offer the same predictability to all its customers. And yet, going to Starbucks every day has been a worthwhile part of my life so far. Even the time I got my wallet stolen, I went back the next day. Starbucks is the faintly irresponsible thing that makes me responsible. The routine that props up all my favorite delusions. That I can and do live a life of sustainable luxury. And that I can predict the future at least a little bit. Because I know I'll go to Starbucks tomorrow. Starbucks.